Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crampton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So what I want to do today is talk to you uh, about mountains and how the Lord is going to move powerfully in this season as he's going to bring down the mountains of opposition. So my first point for you today is to encourage you and to say that the mountains are coming down. Hallelujah. Yay. All right. So if you go back to Isaiah chapter 40, and remember we were there last week, and Isaiah 40 and verse 3 says, there's a voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Wow. So here we get a prophetic promise from the Lord in Isaiah. Remember the context, Isaiah speaking to God's people and preparing them for this massive lockdown. The northern kingdom, they went into uh, captivity, uh, captured by the Assyrians, and uh, that happened decades before the southern kingdom, Judah, then was captured by the Babylonians, and then they went into the 70 years of captivity. So Isaiah, he's prophesying into this whole context And he's prophesying that the mountains are going to be made low. That's good news. All right. Well, what's a mountain? What's he speaking about? I'm glad you asked. So the next thing for us to realize that in in Bible language, there's, there's metaphors, there's imagery, there are associations that God wants us to get that helps us with our understanding. Because when we talk about the mountains coming down, it's kind of like, whoa, everybody in Cape Town is kind of like objecting, please do not cast this mountain into the sea. You know, this is a, a national treasure here. So what is it that God is actually saying that these mountains are going to come down? So we see that uh, biblically, mountains speak of anything that stands in the way of God's purposes. Now those things could be opposition, but those things also could be areas of waywardness, of rebellion, of wickedness that actually happens in society and in our lives. And the Lord is going to bring those things down. Okay? So how do we get this picture? Right? So biblically, the thing of mountains... It was the place where people would go to offer false worship. Remember, God warned his people before they came into the promised land. And he said, I do not want you to take on the pagan practices to worship idols, false images. I don't want you to go up onto the high places. I don't want you to go onto the mountains and engage in false worship. And so the mountains become synonymous with a place of false worship, of idolatry. And God said that he would bring judgment. And that's one of the things about the, uh, the, the captivity, the exile. 
uh, Jeremiah, he spoke very powerfully into this in Jeremiah chapter 6, and you'll also see it in Jeremiah chapter 20. Massive big judgments, prophetic words that were coming, and God was explaining what was going down because of you know, the, the whole captivity thing. It was a judgment that was coming against the people of God who were not walking and living in obedience. But how's this? You'll see this in the second book of Kings and uh, chapter 16. You'll see this verses 2 through until 4. Just read together, Second Kings. Now Ahaz, he was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Now unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. So we can see that there's something wicked that's happening here. Verse 3. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire, engaging in detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. So we can see the correlation here through the scriptures between high places, mountains, and things of wickedness, things that are in opposition to worshiping God, things that are against the advance of the kingdom of God. And so these are the things that are going to be judged. These are the things that are going to be coming down. And so the judgment came that I'm actually going to come against these mountains. They're going to be brought low. So as we look around society, there's so many evil, wicked things that are happening. I mean, clearly one of the things was offering their children as sacrifices. And then, of course, we know the whole thing around abortion is a massively big deal because it's just the murder of innocent people. Yeah? We, we understand that life begins at conception. And so there's a, there's a big deal going on and there's a judgment that's coming uh, on on. Uh, societies that engage in these kind of practices. And, and so we see that this, you know, the worship of self and worship of all kinds of, of uh, foreign things is, uh, is what's being judged here. All right. So this thing of the mountains, these things that are coming down, we're building the case that says that these mountains are actually the places of false worship. These are the things that are coming down. Just want to uh, draw your attention to something that, uh, you know, sometimes people get a little bit confused. You'll know in Psalm 121, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Pause. Where does my help come from? Verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Please, people. Our help is not coming from the mountains. We are not looking to the mountains. There is a pause. There is a contrast. Do not do what the evil people do and look to the mountains. No. Look to the, I lift my eyes to the mountains. No. My help comes from the Lord. So we're not looking for society. We're not looking for government. We're not looking for the systems of this world to bring us help, to bring us deliverance, to bring us safety. No. We turn because those mountains are coming down, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. No, we turn to the Lord. Got it? Thank you. Please pray properly and use that scripture properly. I beseech thee. Thank you. All right. 
Now, practically in our lives, anything that stands in the way of God's purposes, the prophetic words that he's given to you, all right, the promises of God, anything that stands in the way of these words being fulfilled, they are like mountains that are coming between you and what God wants to happen. And these are the mountains that we want to pray out of the way. These are the things that we want to see coming down. So, my third point that I want to leave with you today is that Jesus gives us the context for moving mountains through faithful prayer. Hallelujah. Right, so turn with me please to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to pick it up from verse 12. Uh, and Jesus is uh, he's just come into uh, Jerusalem. There's been the, the uh, triumphal procession a couple of days before. And uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There's just this sort of high point in Jesus' ministry. And uh, so verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Okay, beautiful little bits that the Holy Spirit deliberately inserts into Scripture to grab our attention. One of these things is that we can see that because Jesus was hungry, he was a real person. Fully God, fully man. And the Holy Spirit deliberately puts these things in the Scriptures to counteract heresy. Because there was false teaching that went around. Oh no, Jesus didn't really come and become human. He just appeared like an apparition. No, no, no. He identified with us in our weakness, in our struggles. And he also experienced hunger. Hallelujah. Come on, the Bible is so rich. And, and the way in which the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures is just, you know, so staggering. Because it gives us very, very important clues. There are going to be a couple more coming through in this passage. Verse 13. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Okay, pause. What's going on here? Okay, so this time of the year, in uh, the northern hemisphere, they are into their springtime. And the fig tree is beginning to come into leaf. Typically, it's not in full leaf. But this particular fig tree was in full leaf. And so you'll see in the other Gospels, as they have a similar account, it speaks about this fig tree was in full leaf, which should only have been more towards the summer. And when a fig tree comes into full leaf, that's when there should be figs. This particular fig tree gave the appearance of having figs by being in full leaf, but it had nothing. In other words, there was a false show and there was a fruitlessness about this particular fig tree. And that's what Jesus was addressing. Okay, There was false pretense going on here. Sound a bit like religion to you? Come on, the Holy Spirit is so clever in inspiring Mark to write this account and he's weaving this fig tree episode and we're going to go into this next thing with the clearing of the temple and then he comes back to the fig tree. 
Holy Spirit intentionally weaves these things together and then at the end of it, tacks on, hey, mountains are going to move. Okay? So there's a massive context going on here about religion, about pretense, about show, about fruitlessness, all these kinds of things. Okay? So verse 14, Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. His disciples heard him say it. Remember this because we're going to come back a little bit later about what you say. Jesus said to the fig tree. Okay? Now, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts. And he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And anyone, uh, and, sorry, and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Let's just pause there. What's going on here? All right, it's leading up to the Passover. We know this. We know that this was one of the feasts that was appointed by God that all of God's people should present themselves, the heads of households should present themselves at the temple for these feasts. And when they came, there was to be sacrifice. And you couldn't just bring any old sacrifice. You had to bring a lamb that was perfect, unblemished, and it had to have been given the kosher stamp by the priests. So the Levites and the priests, they're all involved in this thing. And you know what? People come from far distance, other lands even. And uh, as, as people came, they had to buy a sacrificial uh, lamb, something that they could offer. If it was a poor person, they could bring a dove. And so we see that there's the system that's in place where you could come and you could buy your sacrifice. But... Remember, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they loved money. They were lovers of money. They set up a system. They had a separate currency, the shekel, for the temple. And so you could not bring Roman currency. You could not bring other money. You had to exchange it. So you had the money changes. And there was some kind of inflation thing going on. Listen, if you think that you're being ripped off with our exchange rate, <laughs> God's people were being ripped off with a really crooked exchange rate because the lovers of money were making sure that they were making a handsome profit of all of this. And probably there was some kind of deal going on between the Levites and those guys who were, you know, giving the, the sacrificial lambs and, and, you know, bit of, we don't know anything about this in South Africa, do we? You know, like, love me tender, love me dear. No. All kinds of strange financial deals are going on here. And Jesus cut right through it because there was a whole lot of falsehood that was tied up in this time of worship. And where this was taking place 
was, was in the, the outer courts. And this is where the, the Gentiles, okay, pick up on this, where the Gentiles would be able to come and to worship. They were not permitted to go into the other parts of the temple, but this was a place where people from all nations, they could come and they could worship. And what were they being subjected to in this place that was given over for them to worship? All this corruption, all this commotion that was taking place in there. And then not only that, but you get people carrying merchandise from one side of Jerusalem to the other. They're carrying it through. They're taking some kind of a shortcut. This is like, you know, totally a mismatch in terms of what's going on. A place that should be separated. That's what the whole thing of holy is. To be dedicated. To be separated. Yielded over for the purposes of worshiping God. And Jesus cuts right through all this stuff. And he throws it all out. And then he says, verse 17, he taught them. He said, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So now we get a link with prayer and we're going to get another link later on to prayer. We're getting this thing of all nations. Specifically, where did this take place? It was the place where people from all nations could come. They were welcome to come and worship the one true living God. And so very specific detail that the Holy Spirit inspiring Mark should record in the gospel. It's just like mind-blowing the detail if we can just like pull back the layers and see what God is speaking to us. God is calling us to a place of purity in this time. These mountains are coming down. Right? The rough places are going to be smoothed out. Those crooked ways are going to be made straight. And before, <laughs> before we point a finger at other people, just remember, there's a speck in your brother's eye. There's a speck perhaps in government's eye. What about the big plank that's sticking out your own eye? Whoa. Holy Spirit is dealing with us powerfully in these days. Guys, this time of lockdown is a time of maturity. It's a time of God working with us and dealing with things in our own hearts and lives. These are good days. You need to get the perspective of heaven with regards to what's going on. God is putting aside all those distractions. You can't rush off to the movies. You can't rush off to the beach. You can't be doing all these other things. Get home. Get to bed at a reasonable hour. Get some good rest so you can wake up in the morning refreshed and you can get into the word. This is a setup for promotion. <laughs> These are great days. See what God is doing. What's the redemptive purpose in all of this? So let's deal with the log, the plank that's in our own eye. And we worry about the splinters at another time. But the mountains are coming down. Hallelujah. Just, come on, let's drink to that. Oh, that's a good-looking cup of coffee there. Mm, wish I could be with you. All right. So, 
The second part of verse 17, he says, but you have made it into a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law, they heard this and they began looking for a way to kill him for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. They suddenly saw something different. It was coming back into alignment. Jesus was opening up their eyes to see what was the temple worship really supposed to be about. Not the shenanigans that was going on. Not the selling and the horse trading. You know, sell a bit of water, sell a bit of oil, sell a prayer cloth, sell a bit of this. It's absolute hocus pocus nonsense. And Jesus clearing it out. Hallelujah! The church in our day and in our time is being cleared out of so much nonsense. We were just discussing with another church leader just this week just how God is clearing out some of the stuff and the, the excesses that has existed in churches, whether it be absolutely massive mega church or whether they be the tiniest little thing that's meeting under a tree or in a classroom, where there's self-promotion, where there's, you know, trying to do things for financial gain, whatever. God is just clearing all of this stuff out. The church is being purified in this day and in this hour. Folks, this lockdown has been absolutely magnificent for the church of God, for the true church. Do not despair. Do not be dismayed. Do not be disheartened. Jesus is working on the bride. <laughs> Yay! You might think, oh, we're losing and, you know, this is all not fun and I want to be in the building. And, you know, yes, of course we want to be in the building. But God's ways are much higher than our ways. And you might not be aware of all of that God is doing, but know this. God is working. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't fall. He doesn't trip. He is totally on top of everything. All right. Just wanted to move on now to the next piece. Verse 19, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Okay, comprehensive judgment had come. Remember, Jesus is cleansing the temple. This whole picture is speaking also of the judgment that was coming to the temple, and particularly in AD 70, when it was completely you know, destroyed. Verse 21, Peter remembered and he said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says, remember Jesus said to the fig tree, if anyone says to this mountain, whoa, what's going on? Okay, it's a metaphor. Jesus is, is wanting to draw their attention to false worship. Got it? The nonsense that was happening in the temple. Now, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and he does not doubt in their heart, but he believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Hallelujah. Anything that is religious, anything that is false worship, 
anything that stands in the way of God's purposes, that mountain is coming down. And if you speak to it, believing in prayer, remember we pray in alignment with the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus represents his nature, his character, his will, and his purpose. So when we're praying according to what he says, so we're praying from heaven to earth. Jesus, what are you saying about the situation? And I pray that. Not my will be done, but yours. So Lord, show me what it is that you're doing. Then I'm going to pray this. And then if I don't doubt and I'm praying, anything that's in opposition to what you are saying, that mountain is coming down. In fact, not only coming down, go into the sea. Hey, what else went into the sea? Well, I can think of a couple of things. In Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, it says that our sins and our iniquity is going to be thrown into the sea. You remember them no more. Yeah, I think Jesus had a little bit of you know, poetic justice there. Remember the, the, the demons came out of the demoniac and he cast them into the pigs and 2,000 swine went into the Sea of Galilee. Ah, I think a little bit of poetic humor there, you know. Anyway, God removing things into the sea and our sins and our wickedness, anything that stands in the way is being removed. Hallelujah. Lastly, as we end off, I want to encourage you my fourth point is that the mountain of the Lord will be established. All right? Hallelujah. So, in Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through to number 9. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Hallelujah. Good meat. God, I'm telling you, God loves South Africa. Verse 7, on this mountain he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples. Oh my goodness. A way of thinking is coming down. Come on. The blindness that's covering people. There's going to come a revelation. Light is breaking into the darkness. Okay. So this sheet that covers all nations, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Come on, rejoice. These are not days to mope around. These are days to rejoice, be glad, because God is working, he's acting. Again, in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. All right, let's just close out with this. In the last days, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come, not just a few, many people will come and will say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. Speaks about the law going and covering all the earth. God's coming to judge, and you know when he comes, he comes to bring a judgment in our favor. All right, he's coming to uphold justice. He say, "Yep, you need justice. I'm giving it to you." That's the kind of judgment he gives.
and he declares we are guiltless because of what Jesus has done. All right. So, in closing, the mountains are coming down. The mountains are those things that stand in the way of God's plans and purposes. Jesus is giving to us the authority as we come in his name to pray and to say to these mountains, be removed. And as he does this, there's a cleansing that takes place. False worship and idols, anything that's not of him is going to be removed. And in that same way, he's establishing the mountain of the Lord. The church, people, I need you to hear this. The church is being established like never before. This is our finest hour. I want you to be encouraged. Do not give in to fear. Do not panic. Do not worry about, you know, what's happening. We're under persecution. Relax. God's got us and God has got this. The things in your own life that are getting in the way, say to them, you're not in alignment with God's plans and purposes. And so I tell you, be removed. And so we release declarations and we pray. We believe, we trust in God. He's coming through. Come on, let's pray together. Thank you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that you are bigger than anything that we can see, anything that we can face. You're bigger than the obstacles and you're bigger than the devil and you can remove anything that is contrary to your will and your purposes. We thank you that you're causing hope and faith to rise up again within us. That we might pray, believing, and trusting you, that you're going to cause these mountains to come down. And that you are going to cause the mountain of the Lord to be established, to be exalted, to be lifted up in this hour. So we trust you, Lord, with our lives, with our families, and with our church family. We trust you that your will will be done. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm so encouraged at what God is doing. I think this is a great opportunity for us to just go back into a time of worship and just exalt him. He is the victorious, the triumphant one. Come on, let's worship together.